Welcome back, everyone, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me again today for the second time again, no Andy. I'm not going to tell you where he is, but he's having fun with the family. We might see him tomorrow. We'll see. Fingers crossed, everyone. Say your prayers or do your chance. We might have a, an Andy drop in for Win Bet Wednesday. But for today and for the rest of the week, Mr. Rooney, how's it going? I know baseball is a little tough. You're one and two, um, and without you know really one inning, you were looking pretty good otherwise. I was okay with my – I mean, I, I we hit on the Giants at the, the pretty good price there at the minus one and a half. And, yeah, the, the Mets and Marlins, if there's not a first inning grand slam, that game goes under pretty easily. So I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, not my best effort, but I, I can live with that. I think I got some bets that will bounce back today. We got a White Sox game. That's more of my area of expertise, so I, hopefully that gets a little bit uh, more successful today. I like that. It's good to know that we're going to be here in your backyard as a big White Sox fan. I don't know. It feels like you should just have a White Sox hat on every time that you're on, but we'll work on that. We will have a guest today. We're going to talk about some Olympics, check in with our buddy Drew, and uh, if you look on there in the countdown, we're going to circle back to some NBA futures. Drew has a couple things he wants to talk with us about, but he needs a minute. He's finishing up something, and he'll be here shortly. So for now, we will go back to Matt. What do you got for us today? You said the White Sox are playing, so you got that. But it looks like there's a few other things here. Why don't you break it down for the people? White Sox are at home today against Kansas City. There's a lefty on the mound. The White Sox have historically the last couple seasons been very good against them. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, their, their rookie this year, probably the favorite for AL Rookie of the Year right now. He's been crushing lefties this year. I believe he's got an OPS right up about 1,000. And he hit. July was his best month of the year. He OPSed right just under 900. Uh, I have him to collect two plus hits today. He's had multi-hit games, and I think like four of his last ten outings, uh, he's been crushing lefties. Tony Larusa against lefties has, has been having him higher up in the lineup, hitting fourth or second most of the time. So I would expect to see him kind of farther up in the lineup, which will mean probably four chances, maybe even five if the Sox are connecting. So Andrew Vaughn, uh, as as he's matured, I like him in this spot. Two plus hits at plus two forty. Um, I think that's fairly good value for a guy that's probably giving you the best at bats on the White Sox right now of, of anybody in that lineup, which again, saying a lot for a rookie. Um, I took Adam Engel to Homer and the White Sox to win. Uh, Adam Engel, since he's come off the IL, he started 22 games. He's got six homers. He's OPSing around 930. Um, he's been hitting lefties. Pretty, he's been hitting everyone pretty well this year. Um, but limited starts against lefties. He's got two home runs, and, and I like those odds of, of him to connect and run into one. He's hit Kansas City pretty well this year and throughout his career. Um, so Adam yeah, the, uh, against the lefty. Go I was going to say, the lefty thing against the White Sox, that's still going on. I don't follow a lot of baseball, and I know about that. It's, it's not they're just still out there beating up last everybody. Year, last year was ridiculous. Like it, what they, I think they legitimately went 15-0 and or 16-0, and something like that. They won like 19 straight against left-handed starters running into this year. That streak Jesus. naturally came to an end because that wasn't going to live on, but they're still hitting lefties pretty good. Now, the, the guy going for the Royals tonight, Chris Bubich, has not been great uh, all season overall, but has actually pitched pretty well against the White Sox. That said, uh, they're at home. That ballpark is is good for – it's a good hitter's ballpark. It's, it, I, I like their chances of a couple guys running into running into one tonight. Excuse me. And I – I would have taken the Sox at the minus one and a half. I just didn't really see the value there at minus 130, especially coming off not playing too great against the Royals. I just, Dylan Cease being on the mound as well, you don't really know what you're going to get out of your starter. It's kind of a mixed bag. Um, I have the Phillies plus money, 
believe it's plus 105. There you go. Uh, minus one and a half against the uh, the Nats tonight. Zach Wheeler's on the mound for them. He's been an ace all year. He's he's living up to every dollar of that new contract he signed. Uh, really, this is more of a Nats fade, though. Patrick Corbin's on the mound, and he's been absolutely awful this year. I believe his ERA is around like 5.7. And if you can believe it, his expected ERA is actually worse than that. I think his expected ERA is around 5.8 or 5.9. So you, you got a seller in the Nats with a, a pitcher who's really struggling on the mound. You got a team contending for that NL East with the Mets kind of struggling a little bit. The Phillies might smell a little blood. They got their ace on the mound, plus money at minus one and a half against the pitcher struggling as much as Corbin, especially when you got your ace on the mound. I really like that, that value and those odds. Um, and then the Brewers, I think it's gone. Uh, the odds have worsened a little bit here, but I did see this morning at minus 108. Uh, to the, for them to cover minus one and a half against the Pirates. I, they've done that in their last four games against the Pirates. I think they're eight and two in their last 10. Adrian Hauser's on the mound. He's had a fine year, but he's really dominated the Pirates. And this is as much of a fade the Pirates play, who I can't even remember the name of their starter, but it's somebody who's thrown 16 innings this year and his ERA's up in the sevens. So I, I like the Brewers playing really good baseball against a bad team. At almost even money to cover that one and a half when they've done it the last four games against the Pirates. Uh, I like those odds. I'm going to take it. No, I watched Total Recall yesterday, so it's good to have another Hauser to think about this afternoon or this or tonight. That'll be pretty good. I like these. I like it. You're back in the Phillies. I'm a Phillies homer. I'll definitely be playing that. That was, to be honest, that was partially for you, Alex. Oh, you're sweet. And I'm a sucker for a bad parlay. So I think, you know, Phillies, Brewers, White Sox parlay. How does that lose? I like it. The minus one and a half parlays. That's where you really make you know the, the bang for your buck here in baseball. You're getting all those around even money. I, I like it. I think you I think you roll the dice on it. It'll probably pays you about plus six hundred or so. We'll put a pit in that. That might be good for say a free bet you might have if you wanted to use later, go. but we'll circle back on that. That's one. a tease. That is. So baseball pretty solid yesterday. Tennis, uh, not so much. We got pretty close on our totals, but ended up having some quick two set matches. We'll try to do a little bit better today. We are back, um, you know, again, three tournaments for the women this week, all smaller events as we get, start to start the hard court season, finish up on clay. Um, we'll start with some matches here. We've got a total and a money line. These will be early tomorrow morning in Clunapoca. Clunapaca, again, I haven't done my work. It's in Romania, folks. It's the last clay tournament for the year, especially the last bigger one. So you've got a couple players who are looking for points on clay. It's a surface that can be really comfortable for some and not for others. And, you know, you want to win matches, not just to make money, not just to kind of pay your bills for the year, but you earn ranking points and it makes it easier to enter tournaments next year and things like that. So Kai, Yuvon, and Anna Karolina Schmedleva, two players that, you know, are kind of fighting to hold on to their top 50, top 100 rankings kind of here. Um, I expect a really competitive match. We're getting 21. I have this at 21 and a half. Um, and honestly, it would probably be a juicy 21 and a half if it was hanging at myself. So over 21, minus 115, minus 120 is fine. If you have over 21 and a half standard juice, that's probably okay too. Thought about the two and a half sets, but didn't really like the conversion there. It's a funny market. At certain times of the year, it seems like they have a correlated to totals. Sometimes of the year they don't. So putting that one aside, we'll go just over 21 there. And then a player I like to bet on quite a bit, uh, Miss Irina Maria Barra. She's been pretty solid for us, especially as an underdog. Um, got her at plus 128. Um, have this match pretty close to a pick em. You know, I'd probably have her plus 100, plus 105. So we'll play this down to probably plus 115. You know, there's 
still some solid numbers out there. She is playing Christina Kokova. Um, you know, a solid player, looked good in her first match, but I think that Kokova is getting a little too much credit here. She most recently beat Bara in Gdynia. You might remember Andy trying to pronounce that about a week ago. Um, so I think, you know, again, the market kind of overreacts sometimes in tennis in some of these head-to-head situations, especially if it's recent and especially if it's on the same surface. That match closed right around a pick and now, you know, we're looking at bar right around plus 125 or so. I think there's some solid value on Irina Maria here, so we'll take her as a dog. And then this last one here, um, San Jose, this will actually be, I think, tomorrow afternoon, so you've got a little time. And I ended up doing something with her money line here, but Anna Kanju, um, a qualifier, she is someone who, you know, had to take a little bit of a break due to some injuries and some things, is finally starting to get back and get back to some form where she was like a top 50, top 25 player, someone that we all really liked about three years ago, is really starting to get back to it. She is laying only three games against Allison Risk, who played a very ugly match yesterday against Coco Vandaway. And to be honest, Coco Vandaway might have been pretty hardly mushed there. You know, we don't like to talk about that, <laughs> but there was a certain person who went very hard on Coco, and it's generally not good for Allison. So she makes it through here to the second round. Happy to fade her with Anna Kanju minus the three games there. And that's it for tennis. And I think you hear some chuckles there, folks. I think Dan was nice enough to uh, unmute Drew there so you could hear him laugh. Welcome, Mr. Dinsick. How are you? It's so nice to have you back on Brown Bag Bets. Hey man, just because I was just because I was uh, betting on risk, you know, you don't, don't have to call me out like that. No, I'm just <laughs> oh, kidding. No, I, I, no, I, I, I'm just kidding. I haven't been betting much <laughs> at women's tennis lately, but I love your anaconda look. She does look freaking dangerous right now. She really is playing some fantastic tennis, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the Olympics. We're getting close to the end. I think things wrap up what Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Sunday yeah. in uh, Sunday in Tokyo, which will be Saturday for us. All right. And we got a bunch of stuff left. We had some athletics. I was actually watching the women's 200 meters this morning. We didn't really talk about it on the show, but Christine M. Boa sneaks a second place finish in the 200 meters. She was like 50 to one, 60 to one to medal, something like that. Um, somebody to keep an eye on. They kept her out of the 400. But we're back here. We kind of want to check in with you, Drew. How's it going so far? How's been the first week and a half or so of the Olympics been for you? Well, the metal markets have been a massive sweat, but thankfully the uh, swimming week one broke in my favor in pretty much every way I had hoped. I was high, high, high on the Australian women swimmers coming into this. They come out with, I think, eight gold medals total. It was a really, really, really solid performance from that crew of women. Uh, the backstroker winning both golds. I had her in both of those events. That was awesome. Titmus uh, coming through in the 200 free. Uh, Ledecky came through for me in the 800 and the 1500. So o- overall, the swimming was uh, outstanding, and uh, I, you know, honestly, I'm just happy that people are so actively taking bets on this stuff. I feel like in 2016, it was a little tough to get money down on Olympics. This time around, it has been no problem, and that has made it a lot more fun to watch and to bet on and to handicap. Uh, the metal markets, uh, though, have been um, a, a, a heavy duty sweat. Uh, Australia, only true winner that we know is a winner. Uh, Korea, only true loser that we know is a loser. Uh, you may say, well, they could do great. They could get six more and some random stuff. No, they can't get six more. It's over. South Korea over is dead. Uh, well, Russia's. Yeah, well, no, actually, no, they, their archery was uh, was fine. It was the, it was really the Taekwondo team that let us oh. down. They were they took they took six athletes into the eight Taekwondo events and six were all live for gold and they got zero. They got zero gold medals in Taekwondo, uh, and I had them 
chalked up for three or four. Uh, and then outside of that, uh, there's been some disappointment here and there for South Korea. I'm not saying that it's the Japanese judges that are, you know, keeping them out of, you know, gold medal here, but I'm not, not saying it, um, you know, realistically though, the, uh, the, um, the, that was I, in hindsight. I wish I could have that one back because I didn't have a ton of margin on that. Um, Russia over 17 and a half looks very, very, very good. Um, they have actually let's go ahead and call that one a winner. Honestly, I, they have two guarantees in uh, synchronized swimming coming up, two guarantees in rhythmic gymnastics. So you really just need one more. Uh, and they have some heavy favorites in boxing and wrestling. Uh, as well as uh, you know potential for a couple other surprises. So Japan, I mean uh, Russia will get there. Uh, USA will not get there. <laughs> that, that one is going to take a miracle. It's, uh, it's not looking good. Um, some of the reason for playing that over was the track and field team was expected to really kind of come through strong in week two and really help us, uh, you know, come home with a vengeance. Track and field team has been disappointing, man. They have really let us down in a couple of spots. Uh, they're, they've been doing an excellent job of getting silvers, as you mentioned. We're getting silvers like no, like nobody's business. Uh, we might uh, set a, a country record for silver medals, um, but it's not looking great for golds for us, which leaves us with two and two pending Japan. And the Japan under 27 and a half is going to come down to the last day of this Olympics, and it is going to be a brutal sweat. Uh, as we currently look at what is left, uh, they have one likely, maybe two, in run walking. If you haven't uh, ever seen run walking, it is if, if, if you're laughing because you think run walking looks as ridiculous as it sounds, you don't even know <laughs> it is. It, it is so ridiculous. Uh, they literally like the rules are you can't have both feet. You can't have one foot. Uh, you can't have more than one foot off the ground. So your heel has to touch before your other heel can pick up. So they, it's this, it's this insane uh, like cadence of not quite running, <laughs> but uh, and Japan for whatever reason has two men who are like the world's best at it. So um, I, I'm, I can already tell you I'm going to be up in the middle of the night watching Jap, you know 50 kilometers of the Japanese run walking on Saturday night or whatever. Uh, so it's, it's this is going to go sideways for me in a hurry. Um, they could. <laughs> They could potentially get another what one in fate. boxing. Uh, they have a likely gold medal in cycling. Uh, I have them as only 50-50 in baseball. Uh, that If baseball breaks our way and Japan does not get that gold medal, that'll be huge. Um, similarly, karate, they're expected to win two. But the way that the judging has gone in a lot of this fighting has felt a little home cooking-y. Um, you know, not, like, not like outright like uh cheating on behalf of them necessarily but like they're definitely getting the benefit of the doubt in a lot of the judged events uh and i guess that's what you get when you host the olympics you get uh you know you get a little bit of home cooking from the judges and some of the weird weird events there so i'm i'm nervous about karate if we could get through that there's eight, they're, they're giving out eight gold medals in karate guys like this is good judges this is why i don't bet boxing any of that stuff you can't trust a sport with judges they usually have the worst seat in the house we're all sitting at home watching 20 different tv angles and they're sitting there feeling whatever the way they want Ugh, what a yeah mess. yeah but oh, if so japan run walking that's what I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm holding on run walking Saturday are there judges night. for run walking do they have so to, here's no? you know what the beauty is there's no there there's there there are a lot of dqs you i think you 
I, I'm going from memory here from like a, many Olympics ago, the last time I actually cared about road walking. Um, but I think you get three penalties. Like if they see you with both feet off the ground at the same time, you get a penalty. And if you get like three penalties, you get DQ'd. That, that's in the back of my head. That those are the rules of run walking because there are some like, you know, live metrics up while they're showing them where it's like this one's just, this, this woman's got two penalties. She picks up another one. She's DQ'd. You know, like there for sure is that kind of a uh, an element to it. Um, but uh, it just sounds kind of exciting. It's it's it insane. Does. It sounds like electric content. And in Rio, uh, you know, there was uh, there was uh, there were some fireworks of a gastrointestinal nature with the gold medalist that uh, that, that you don't want to YouTube. Don't look it up on YouTube. It probably is not on yeah. YouTube. Hopefully, it's not on YouTube. That lesson's not. Uh, um, but yeah, there's it is it is it's ridic- as ridiculous as it sounds uh, in every way. So uh, <laughs> the uh, the yeah the skateboarding amazingly, Japan has won two golds already. They're in line for a third. I can't believe it. Climbing, they have, they have a likelihood. How do we not sweep skateboarding? We invented it for crying out loud. I really I can't get tell surfing. You. People have been surfing, but like we invented yeah. skateboarding. Like yes, we did. We yeah, the dream team. I don't even think we're I don't I don't even know if we won the medal that Japan didn't. We may get shut out of skateboarding while they somehow, you know, where's Tony Hawk when you need him, man? That's what I you was know? saying. Who's in charge yeah. now? Yeah, seriously. Find that person. So yeah, our skateboarding program letting us down. Japan might get another one there. Sport climbing is this new event, and apparently the man, the 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 leading market leader in sport climbing right now is Japanese, and and then uh, they have a, a wrestling favorite as well. So at this point, the plan is like literally, I have to kind of go through event by event and find like the two to one ish shots that might be the spoilers. And get money down on those as sort of a middle hedge, right? Like, like what needs to happen here? Uh, if everything goes chalk, this comes in at twenty-seven. <laughs> the total was twenty-seven and a half, so the under is barely, barely makes it if chalk prevails. So I have to go through and kind of find a couple of the surprise ones that are in the plus two hundred, plus three hundred range. Try to shoot for those, and then hope a couple of the chalk don't come through. Uh, and it's been a it's been a very uh, you know d- underdog friendly Olympics. We had the women's road race. The winner was five hundred to one. You know, like the Austrian uh, math teacher uh, won the women's road cycling That's race awesome. five hundred to one. Um, there's an eighteen year old Tunisian swimmer won the four hundred free. He was not lined. They did not put up a price for him because they did not think he was going to make the final. So he was effectively infinity to one. Uh, and uh, yeah, like th- th- that, those are just two examples of just what has been a really, really, really dog friendly Olympics. Um, so at this point, I'm, I'm thinking shoot for the middles here. Grab a couple of long shot prices for the Japanese athletes that are on the margins. Hope that uh, that those are the ones that come through. Meanwhile, some of the favorites uh, go down because, yeah, like I said, there's there's literally zero margin for error here. Like the ideal scenario was Japan wins only six or seven golds in judo. They won nine. Uh, you know, it's like if if we if we had like a three or four goal lead at this point, we could shoot for some of these favorites to win and hit that middle. Um, but uh, this is you know judo week one really went sideways on us and uh, and uh, if you've watched any judo it's it's not it's not a real sport it's not a real sport <laughs> it's it's tough it's hard there's a lot of different fighting things I don't know what I was watching earlier 
we put on something. It was a little like the first night I was sitting watching with my wife, and it seemed to be the entire point of the sport was to kick each other, but not really, like sort of softly, like push each other back with your feet, and then they would wrap and split up. And there was a lot of going on and not really any points. It was very confusing. So, you know, again, any sport that comes down to judges. Yeah. So, yeah. No, no bueno. So let's talk track and field, though, because uh, that one's not one that comes down to judges. Uh, there's a couple of looks I have on my card here as we come down the home stretch that I think are worth sharing. Uh, men's 200 uh, is going to be contested t- tomorrow in the early morning hours. Uh, I'm going to take a shot on our guy, Noah Lyles. He's the favorite right now at plus 225. He uh, was he was he was playing with a little bit of fire in the semis. Um, ran a little bit of a, a, a kind of a, a, a confident race. Like ah, I know I'm going to win. I'm you know I'm, he was mugging. He was you know he was uh, cruising down the finish and and uh, two guys caught him and it was a photo finish. He ends up with third, even though they all have three had the same time. Uh, and so he did not automatically qualify for the finals. He had to get in via time qualification, uh, which puts him in a little bit of a disadvantage because he is now in an inside lane instead of a middle lane. Um, and for those reasons, you're getting a really good price on him. Uh, his If he runs his best time, if he runs his trials time, uh, he's going to beat this field by a few t- uh, tenths of a second. So uh, Noah Lyles at plus 225 is a good look uh, in the men's well, 200. That's what it was. So that was fun. Like That'll that. be fun tomorrow morning. Yeah, the track that's stuff, it, this, these are kind of my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that's the race the early, like around yeah, 7, it, 8 in the morning. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, yeah, that. that sounds right to me. It's like, I, I want to say it's, uh, yeah, eight o'clock East Coast time. It'll be early for me, but I'll be up for it. It'll be a fun one. Uh, the uh, decathlon, heptathlon start today. Those are fun. Um, decathlon, you have a Canadian favorite right now in Damian uh, Warner. He's not super impressive in terms of a favorite. Uh, he has he is only like his best ever score did come this year, but it is a good 200 points off of the world record, which is set by the second choice, Kevin Meyer. Kevin Meyer from France, a uh, world record holder, largely based on the fact that some of the kind of off track event, you know, some of the field events, he is like he is he can get higher scoring, um, you know, totals and, you know, pole vault, high jump, uh, you know, the 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 random throws, uh, you know, he can he can get. Uh, he has a higher ceiling there, which is how he set the world record. Um, and he had a poor 2019 World Championships, which is why the betting market is so cool on him. Um, but uh, he looks good. He's been like outwardly talking about uh, how much he loves the country of Japan and how long he's been looking forward to this. He's like, for whatever reason, he's like a Japan culturophile. Like he's just like very, very comfortable, very happy here. Uh, I think we see a very solid performance from him. So I backed him at plus 150 to win the decathlon, which starts tonight. Um, and then in the women's heptathlon, which also starts tonight, uh, I think the favorite is is underpriced. Uh, Nafi Tiam from Belgium uh, is like cl- 400 points clear of the next highest scorer here in terms of lifetime best. She is the 2016 reigning uh, Olympic gold medalist. She won the event in 20 at the 2017 World Championships. Uh, and the second choice in the betting market is uh, Katarina Johnson Thomas Thompson Johnson Thompson of Great Britain. Um, I'm not bought into her being healthy. She looks like she has a pretty serious Achilles injury that's going to really affect her ability to do the runs uh, and the jumps. So uh, I don't even know if she finishes the heptathlon, to be honest. So uh, I like the favorite in this one a uh, decent amount. Nafi Tiam 
not TM like the tennis player, but Tiam with an A, um, pronounced similarly. Uh, and she's at about minus 150 at a couple shops. I like that. Something to do while I get up in the morning at Lyle to be perfect. I'm just looking forward to watching the decathlons. That saves me from having a buggy for some stuff. Excellent. <laughs> Any other Olympic stuff you want to touch on before we get to some NBA futures? Because you and I were yeah, talking about know, two things yesterday. The star of week two of the Olympics, for me at least in my betting account, has been Lisa Carrington. <laughs> Lisa Carrington is a New Zealand flatwater kayaker. And she looks like the Terminator. She is she is nasty good. And she did the 200 meter sprint in the flatwater kayak last night. Um, she beat the field by in a this is a dead sprint. She beat the field by a mile. Like this was like if Usain Bolt finishes the 100 meter and there's no one else in the picture. You know, like it was that big of a gap, like impossibly large gap for her winning this sprint. And uh, it was, uh, you know, she she doubled up. She then goes uh, with the two-woman flatwater kayak, wins gold in that, basically dragging a much lesser athlete across the finish line first. Uh, and she plays, uh, you know, she has the uh, 500 coming up as well. Um, and uh, I don't see how anyone in this field can come close to competing with her. She gets, she wins her heat today. She gets into the finals, which will be tomorrow. Uh, and I think she, you know, she gets a little bit of a rest day. Um, and uh, I think uh, you know she's she's going to come away with three golds for the country of New Zealand in this Olympics, which is pretty exciting. I bet into her earlier when her number was like in the minus 280, 270 range. It's gotten steamy on her. She's some places in like the 350, 400 now. Realistically, she should be like minus a thousand for the women's five hundred. Now I have a dumb question. So it's flat water as opposed to sparkling water kayak. Do they have kayaks? Are they putting kayaks in pools? Like are these are these kayaks in giant pools or something? Is that what they mean by flat water or like the flat the flat water is the same course that they do the rowing? You know, it's like uh -huh. long straight uh, marine stadium. You know, long gotcha. straight straightaway. Yeah. The uh, the other the sparkling water kayaking uh, is on a uh, is in a pool. I'm not joking. It's in a pool. They construct a pool that has man-made rapids, and they have to go down in their kayak through the man-made rapids, and then go through gates like in skiing. And then some of the gates you have to go through forward. Some of the gates you have to go past and come back up and go through, okay? And if you touch the gate, you get a penalty. If you miss the gate, you get a massive penalty, you know? So there's there's a very uh, a specific strategy of how you navigate the, uh, the rapids for the, um, they call it slalom. This is fascinating. I didn't <laughs> now, now, are, now that you the, bring this one up. That I've is a much better answer than I expected. Really difficult. Like those are all in the books, by the way. If you have like a you know an on-demand uh, Olympics channel or whatever, you can go watch that stuff. And uh, I made some money on that one too. Australia's uh, I can't remember if it was Jessica Fox, somebody Fox from Australia uh, was the clear uh, favorite in there. She had a bad qualifying; her price got way too low, uh, and so she was a good bet in that one. So go watch Australia and Fox. She got she helped us get that Australia golds home, uh, and uh, she was in the sparkling water kayaking. All right, now before we wrap up here, we did want to talk some NBA futures, and you are my guest, so I'll let you go first. There was one number you saw that you've been looking at that you wanted to maybe ask me my thoughts about. You got the list up here again. Who who was it that stuck out to you? Okay, well, in 24 hours, my thoughts have completely flipped on this, and for <laughs> one reason only. I liked the Bucks at 9-1, to one, 
just given the relative prices between the Bucks and the Nets, I thought I think the market is real, real confident in this Nets team that has a lot of injury question marks for me. Uh, basically, if you look at the board right now, Nets, Lakers, Warriors, Sixers, all huge injury question marks. Are these teams going to stay healthy in a season that is compressed right up against another full season? Like you saw what happened when they put a bubble season up against a shortened season, right? What happens now when you put this compressed season right up against a normal season? I think injuries are going to be a massive, massive issue, question mark, problem for the 2021-22 campaign. And the Nets, Lakers, Warriors, and Sixers all rely heavily on their top talent that has not shown an ability to stay healthy for a full campaign, especially lately. Um, you know, So those, I think there's risk in all of those guys, which left me with, the Bucks and the Suns as, you know, should these prices be a little, little, little bit shorter? Um, now, the Bucks last night, they let P.J. Tucker go to the, 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 the GD Heat. And if you remember that Bucks nets series, P.J. Tucker was kind of the most important player, I thought, oh, yeah. for the Bucks because he locked down Ke- Kevin Durant in a couple of those games. And turned them from losing by 30 to, you know, competitive and getting a couple of squeaky wins there early in that series. Uh, So the fact that they let P.J. Tucker walk was a heartbreaker. I haven't played it yet. I'm glad. Now I really don't know what to do. Um, But uh, what's the case for for the Nets being priced in the three to one range? In terms of the Bucs, I'm curious to see what they do the year after a championship. Like you said, losing Tucker is big, but we'll see how they put it together. I, am, I agree with you kind of in general about the injury concerns, but I wonder if you know, last year being so bad and this year just being better, that last year is kind of our worst-case scenario. And if I go back and look at the Nets, you take basically the worst-case scenario for them, and at the end of the year, they still look like the best team. I was incredibly heartened by how Kevin Durant looked. I thought for moments there he looked probably like the best player in the NBA. Like if you had to pick somebody and you were drafting everybody at that point, you're taking him. And I have a feeling it might look that way this season. I mean, it's really incredible. There was a lot of doubts for me last year, if you heard me anywhere. I talked up and down about how I was concerned about specifically his ability to recover from all those Achilles injuries. He looks pretty good. He's played well in the Olympics. So I think he looks solid. I think that James Harden will be in much better shape this year. As long as you kind of have those two guys, you're in pretty good shape. And Kyrie Irving, you know, he likes to take vacations every once in a while, but like he doesn't really get hurt. He's kind of always around and hopefully they have him engaged. My biggest concern there, honestly, is their ability to refill the bench. You know, you go back and look, Jeff Green's already gone. A guy like Bruce Brown will probably leave and take a contract. We'll see if Blake Griffin maybe wants to come back on a one-year deal, something like that. But you still got Joe Harris. You still have those three guys. I love their draft, being able to get Cam Thomas and Dayron Sharp. I thought it was really fantastic, not just for assets, but those guys are going to play. They're going to get minutes, and I think they fit on that team. So I'm looking at 3-1 to one here. It's less than that in a lot of other places, to be perfectly honest. Part of the reason this caught my eye is because they're down to, like, plus 200, plus 225 other spots, and I just don't see this number ever getting bigger. You know, you talked about on the deep dive, Drew, grabbing the Tampa Bay Bucks to win the NFC championship at 3-1, to one. and I kind of thought a lot – this had a lot of parallels to that where – the Nets are three to one. It's probably only going to get lower unless somebody really gets injured. And I think you're going to feel pretty good at the end of the year if you have those three guys mostly healthy with three to one. So what say you? It's a fair point, especially if like if they are the ones that dodge the injury bug and the Lakers, Warriors, Sixers, because, you know, the the 
right now in a seven game series at full strength, I would make the Nets like minus 200 against the Bucks ish. Um, so you're in pretty decent shape there, uh, considering the Bucks let PJ Tucker go to freaking Miami. I can't believe it. Um, Miami also. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, your Nets, Nets three to one. If they go on, uh, we are taking this season seriously tour. <laughs> if Harden is 100% uh, healthy. Although, you know, it's not like there's not a lot to do in New York City, man. Uh, expecting Hardy <laughs> to all of a sudden be in shape this year may be a little bit of a tough ask. So, I, I don't know. It's 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 uh, He's it's not going to be in worse of... shape than he was last year. That's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's I, I, I still like uh, that. Maybe it's just because they burned me. Like I had them a pretty decent chunk on them against the Bucks in that series, and I was pretty happy after two games. <laughs> and to see it go sideways, and you know, I mean, I, you know, Kyrie Irving—is he always available? He wasn't really there for me when I needed him this time. So I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's still uh, it's pretty bitter. It's yeah. I, it's still I'm still dealing with some things. <laughs> I'll keep thinking about it. It's something I go back and forth on. I got to tie up some capital for a while. It is only three to one. Like That's you said, yeah. if KD goes down or Harden goes down, I feel a lot worse about that. And almost at the same time, though, having those three guys is sort of like an injury hedge. It's a whole thing. You we'll can at least you can at least wait until the Olympics are over. Make sure KD makes it through unscathed. That's true. Maybe we'll do that because there's nothing better than an indecisive segment on the sports betting show. So <laughs> maybe the Nets three to one, maybe the Bucks nine to one. We're feeling picky. Any other thoughts before we wrap and uh, well, give a shout out to I guess, our sponsors? I guess specifically on the Bucks aspect of this and the market, you know, market entry kind of a deal. Like we've seen it in the past where a team like the Warriors wins their first title and the NBA as a whole doesn't really embrace them as worthy champions, right? And like what does that what does that do to you as a as a team? You come out and you play the first couple months of the season like it's championship deciding basketball, and you're like, we're going to light this league on fire and remind them that we were worthy champions. And this is an MVP type of campaign for Giannis and. You don't have a chance against us in the playoffs. And then, you know, you fire all your bullets too early and then you lose to the Nets in the playoffs. But, you know, in terms of market pricing, that nine to one could get a lot shorter. I think that you could wait till you see the schedule. Um, That's a good point. And what I would hope is, you know, they're going to come out, they're the champion. Hopefully they get the Nets night one or the Lakers night one. Somebody where Giannis has that date circle on his calendar and he just continues to go nuts and try to focus on that. And then it gets easy, right? You want that big game. They come in. That's really intense. It's got a playoff atmosphere. And then about a 15 to 20 game stretch where you're hoping we're like, all right, they're going to be, you know, 15 and two through 17 games, something like that. And then maybe you grab it. So, I like where your head's at, but I think I'm going to wait to see the schedule because I don't know in this world where the Lakers continue to build excitement and people, the Nets, net, net, Nets number keeps coming down. I mean, there's some eight to ones. There's still some nine to ones here. Yeah. If you see that really getting down to like seven, even six. I I mean, if if it's anything like the 2016, 2015-16 Warriors, you know, that team, that was the 73 and nine team, right? And they had an ax to grind. Like they had a point to prove. They were going to, uh, they were going to 
teach, you know, prove to the rest of the league that they were uh, worthy of the title that they just won. And what did they start? Didn't they start like, like an all-time insane? Yeah, uh, they had a huge win streak to start or something after the first game, and that's what I'm thinking. If the schedule looks easy for the Bucks, I'm with you. They could do that. But they I think went we'll 24 and 0. Be around. Yeah, they went out 24 and 0. Oh yeah, that's right. They were uh, 29 and one uh, as you got into like New Year's. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, that's that. That's probably a once in a lifetime thing we see that. But the the whiff of that narrative is in the air of some of these other teams. You know, saying a lot the disrespect for Giannis as being actually as good as he was, as he just was. Like, there's a little bit of that in the air. I think I'll have a Giannis MVP ticket, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that. We'll definitely let you know if we bet that. Like I said, I think I'm going to wait for the schedule release because I like where your head's at. If they have that kind of hard start, soft start kind of situation, we'll see how it goes. But Great point. thank you very much, Drew, for joining us. And thank you, of course, to our sponsors, WinBet. Make sure that if you're in a WinBet state, sign up. You get the risk-free bet. It's up to $500, I believe, still up to $1,000 in Michigan. And if you really want to double down on the value, folks, take a screenshot, send it to the BetSpurts Twitter account, and you get a Yeti. And I'm not someone who generally likes this kind of stuff. I have one now. It's fantastic. It can't get over <laughs> how useful it is to have something that I've keeps things close, so hot, hot and so coffee cold. And the same one this morning. I've had both it's of them incredible. in here. Keep, keeping, it's incredible. Keeping it hot and cold. You get the free bet. You get the Yeti. All these good things. Make sure you do that. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. We'd love some likes and reviews and all that good stuff. Andy is in here, but it's still, it really helps him. He really sleeps better at night when he gets more thumbs up on the YouTube page. So thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow.